Wow. Wow. Man, for those, of, those who are online, they missed that. That was, that was impressive. <laughs> You'll have to ask somebody what it was if you were online. Uh-huh. Uh, Brian mentioned we are starting a new series today called Changes. And what, what is, this is about are biblical stories of change in somebody's life where we can pull the principles of, out of those stories for our lives and for our life of faith and how we can live our life of faith. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. And to start off with, I needed to ask this question to kind of get you thinking a little bit. Here's the question. Have you ever been in a place where you wondered where God was? Ever been in a place where you wondered where God was? Yeah, okay, wow. There's a few of you who uh, are going to be surprised then one day because if you haven't been there, you will be, right? If you have walked in the faith for any length of time, you will be there at some point in time where you're going, God, where are you in this? I've been looking for you. So we're going to look at that this morning as we open up God's Word. It is not a new experience if you've been in the faith where you need to have an opportunity to say, Lord, I want you to show me something. So often, it revolves around trusting Him. And, you know, and trusting Him even when it appears that He is not there. So this morning, I just want you to to understand as we start looking at the scripture from John chapter 11, John chapter 11 this morning, is that trusting God actually changes us, and it changes all of us, and it changes us no matter where we're at. As we continue to trust Him, He changes us. So we'll look at John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus, and we're going to begin at verse number one. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So John is writing about this later in life. And he's identifying Mary right here as the one who uh, anointed Jesus' feet, wiped it with her hair, very expensive perfume. When you read about that, it actually did not happen here. It happened later on. But since John has the benefit of looking backward on the whole thing, he's, he's just telling people, this is who it was. And, uh, but when you see what Jesus does with Lazarus and realize that Mary is Lazarus' sister, then it doesn't surprise you quite so much that she took what was worth a year's wages to demonstrate her appreciation and thankfulness to Jesus. That's who that was. In verse number three, so the sisters sent a message to him. That would be Jesus. Lord... The one you love is sick. Notice the message. It says, the one you love. He he didn't say, the one who loves you. I think that's important for us to understand. It's that we should kind of take off. We should put our feet firmly on God's love for us. Because God's love for us is unconditional and unending. Where our love for God can at times be fickle and somewhat temporal, can it? And sometimes, sometimes we feel more in love than not at other times and so forth. So here, the focus is being about God's love. The one you love. Remember, you love him, Jesus. The one you love is the one who is sick. And Jesus receives the message from those he loves. That's another thing we can learn from that. He receives the message from those he loves. When Jesus heard it, here was his response. This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I want to tell you something. God's plan is always for His glory and our good. 
God's plan is always for his glory and our good. And it's not because he's conceited, it's because it, it's what he is worth him. And so it's, it's for his glory and it is for our good. This is recorded, I believe, so we can remember that in our circumstances, that as long as we take our circumstances and we entrust them to Jesus, say, here you are, Lord, I need you to help me walk through these, it will always turn out for God's glory and for our good. Now, sometimes, sometimes we won't be able to see that until later. And sometimes those things will happen, and I, I'm convinced we may not see it until we get to heaven. And then we'll understand it from a new perspective, the perspective of eternity. And we'll see how trusting God changes us and allows us to see things differently. Verse number five. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. John wants us to know that God's responses to our requests always come from a place of love. When you make a request to God, you can be sure, you can be certain that always his response to you is coming from a place of loving you. So you know he loves you when he responds to you. You remember Martha? The Bible talked about Martha before. The one that Jesus said, you know what, Martha? You should be more like your sister Mary, who's at my feet. You're getting too busy with all these different things. Your focus is getting in the wrong place. But here he's saying, Martha, Jesus loved who? Martha. Oh, yeah, if you're a Martha, be encouraged. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He, he wired you the way you are. And, and he, it's, it's not like he loved her less than Mary. He loved her, and John wants us to know he loved her so much that John says Jesus loved Martha and her sister. Doesn't even mention Mary, which I think is a terrific little nuance there that, that John wanted us to see that God just loved her for what he was. Now Jesus responds to the fact that his friend is sick. Verse number six, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What? What? He stayed two more days? Is that the way to demonstrate you love? I just said you can count on God to always come from a place of loving you when he responds to you. And now he's saying he stayed two more days in that place? Think about this. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary and Martha? The guy, the messenger that they sent to tell Jesus about this comes to tell Jesus about it and tells Jesus, you know, you, the one you love is sick. And, and Jesus responds and says, hey, you know what? This is, uh, he's not going to die. This is going to be for the glory of God. Now that messenger comes back and tells Mary and, Mary and Martha, guess what? Jesus got the message. And here's what he said. He's not going to die. It's going to be for the glory of God. And they had to be going, yes, all right, we know it. We know it. Jesus is coming to heal Lazarus. And then he didn't show up. And he didn't show up. And Lazarus gets sicker and sicker and dies. And they had to be going, what in the world? I think we've got to understand when God doesn't respond to our prayers, he hasn't abandoned us. Just because he doesn't respond to our prayers in the timing that we think that he should, he has not abandoned us. He still cares about us. And so Lazarus is, is dying, and God wants us to know that we need to trust that God cares, even when it feels like he's not there. Because it's trusting God 
that changes us. Verse number seven, then after that, after this is all done and Lazarus has died, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. He said again because they had been there before. When they'd been there before, it hadn't turned out very well. They had tried to stone Jesus. And so now Jesus is saying, let's go back to that place. And I thought, Lord, what are you saying here? I think what he's saying is that sometimes God's plan means going back to a place of previous conflict and contention to deal with the conflict and contention to complete God's work. Does that make sense? I'm going to give you an example. I have a friend of mine who is a pastor, and his pastorate ended in a particular place in a not a very good way. It ended in a very difficult way. And he ended up leaving that area and, and uh, was across the United States at a different place. And about 10 years later, God put on his heart, you've got to go back to that place. I've, you're not done there yet. You've got to go back to that place where the conflict and contention was, and I want you to deal with that, and I want you to plant another church right in the middle of that place. There are times God calls us, you and I, to go back to a place where there was previous conflict or contention because it's part of his plan to resolve things because we already know that it's going to be for his glory and our good, our good. That's right. Verse number eight, Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again? Just now means uh, just recently. Just recently they tried to stone you. You're going there again? Jesus said, aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does, not, he does stumble because the light is not in him. So Jesus is going from saying, you don't see the light, and then the light is not in them. But what I like about this is he's making it clear that no one can keep God's perfect plan from taking place. Jesus is saying, it's going to happen. No matter what they think they're going to do to us, don't you worry about that. It's going to happen. Night would come. Night would come when Jesus would be on the cross. But for right now, he is saying, until it's God's appointed time, they can't do anything to me that God doesn't allow them to do. So I'm okay with that. In Hebrews 9, it tells us that man is appointed to die. In other words, God has a time when he knows our time is up. And until then, we don't have to worry about what somebody else may be trying to do to us. God's in charge, and we don't need to fear. Verse number 11, he said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Jesus sees things sometimes way differently than we do, doesn't he? Well, he, he we, know, we know Lazarus is dead. Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead. Why wouldn't he be clear about his condition? Why wouldn't he just, make, just, just immediately say, Lazarus is dead, I'm going to go there and raise him from the dead. But he doesn't. He says he's asleep and I'm going to go there and wake him up. Jesus saw death as sleep and living without God as death. Because Jesus sees it from God's perspective. So sometimes we need to say, Lord, I've got this thing going on, and it doesn't make sense to me. Could you show it to me from your perspective so that I can see it how you see it instead of the way it seems to be to me? See, our way is temporal and limited. His way comes from an eternal perspective and changes the view completely. 
Verse number 12. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will get well. I I love this. I got to tell you, I love this. Here's why. We can confuse our expected outcomes with God's plan. Did you know that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever confused what you thought was going to happen with God's plan? Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, I have too. The thing I love about this is I love that we get to see the disciples as just real people. They're thinking, this is how it's going to happen. I can't tell you the number of times I have found myself informing God. (laughs) You know, God, here's how how it's going to happen. Here's the way it's going to take place. I can see this right now. Or sometimes as though he might not know, you know. I've got to inform him to kind of catch him up and and make sure he's aware of what, what I think he might ought to do. And I just get a kick out of it that I'm not the only one who does that, as though we can straighten out his thinking. It's really humorous in a way, but, <laughs> it, but we need to stop and say, Lord, I, I need to see it from your perspective. Verse number 13, Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. My, uh, my wife told me that um, she thought maybe this was going to become her favorite verse in the Bible. I said, why? She said, because I'm always asking God, would you just tell me plainly? Would you show me plainly? And, and, and I, I love that thought. Yeah, just show me plainly. Sometimes we need to say, Lord Jesus, just show me plainly what this is so I can see it. Speak to me plainly. You see, for God, for God to raise someone from the dead is no more difficult than waking them up. You see that? He's going, it's the same thing to me, no big deal, no big deal, one way or the other. Uh, and so, I think, Lord, you can wake whatever you want from the dead. You can wake him up, wake us up. Sometimes we need to be woke up. You can wake us up, and sometimes you can raise whatever it is inside of us from the dead. And then I think, wait a minute. You cannot raise something from the dead if it has not died. What things maybe in our lives needed to die so God could get glory and it actually would still be for our good when he can raise it from the dead? What can we say? Lord, this, how are you seeing this thing? Verse number 15, Jesus says, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him, so that you may believe because trusting God is what changes us. Jesus knew the end of the story just like he knows the end of your story and my story. He knew that what began with grief would end in belief. Oh, you're grieving. Ah, When I take the grief and I give it to him, then he turns that grief into a deeper belief in him. Now, that's a whole lot more than just some words rhyming. Listen to what that is. When I have something that is on me, that is is burdening me, that, that, that grieves me, and I can bring that to him and let him minister to me in it and through it and give me his perspective of it, my grief always ends up in increased belief in who he is, in how much he loves me, in how much he's aware of my circumstances and my situation. Verse 16, then Thomas, called twin, 
said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we may die with him. I, I love Thomas. I got to tell you, I think Thomas gets a bad rap, man. I think Thomas gets a, he gets a bad look at him just because he's the one who says, prove it to me to Jesus, you know. Here's a guy who's saying, I'm willing to die, and I think that he's going to go anyway. So let's just go with him, and we're probably going to die too, but we're going to go with him. I, I was thinking about, God, what can we learn from this little segment right here? And I realized that when we follow Jesus, it does not mean we will have an increased comfort level. Yeah. It might mean that we wind up in places that make us a whole lot more uncomfortable where we have to place our trust in Him because trusting God is what changes us. And so He's saying, I want you to put your trust in me. And I also love the fact that our perceived heroics don't get in the way of God accomplishing His purpose. Sometimes I think I'm doing the, such a good thing for somebody. You know, I mean, I mean, I hate to admit this, but it's really true. You know, as a pastor, sometimes you can feel like, oh, that was such a nice thing for me to do. Now, you know, I mean, come on. And then you realize, really? Really? And you begin to see it. God, God's not bothered by that. He is not going to let our perceived heroics get in the way of him accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. Verse number 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. He didn't hurry any. He did not hurry. He took his time getting there. I mean, he really took his time getting there. He's been dead and in the tomb for days. And it makes me realize to God, death in four days doesn't matter if he wants to bring it to life again. To us, it does. To the sisters, it sure did. And it would have to the other people too. But listen to this impossible is where God often loves to start. What seems impossible in your life that you need God's to move into, that you need God, what mountain do you need him to move? What is it that you think, oh, there's no way this, but you know if God did that, and can he do that? Can he do that? Yeah, he can do that. He can do that because it's trusting him. So God, I'm trusting you to do that. He says, watch, watch how trusting me will change you, even if I don't do it the way you think I'm going to do it, or the way you think I should do it, which is just the case with the sisters, right? Well, we find out in verse 18, it says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha, Martha and Mary, to comfort them about their brothers. I think that's a great thing for us to see, because comfort and encouragement are part of our roles for each other. It's what, how God would have us care for each other. Did you hear that? Comfort and encouragement is the way God wants us to care for each other. So before you leave here today, could you apply that little piece maybe to your life? Say, God, who can I comfort and encourage before I leave? See, and then maybe you get comforted and encouraged through that process as well. I love how God works those things together. Verse 20, as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. I don't think Martha was going just to say howdy. I don't think Martha was heading out of the house to the outside of the village just to welcome Jesus into her home. Uh-uh. Martha loved Jesus, but she was going to confront him about this because she was ticked. She wasn't even going to let him come into the house. 
So when she heard he was coming, she got up and she went out quickly and met him still outside of the village. He hadn't even come inside the village yet. And here she comes. For why? What purpose? Because she's going to tell him. Just like you would tell somebody who you really love how you really feel. And she felt like, man alive, where were you? And we'll see that. We'll see exactly how, how, how she responds to Jesus. But I love the fact that it's okay with Jesus. He doesn't get mad at her for this. Listen, here it is, verse 21. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Oh, but then she softens it. Yet, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. I think it's a good thing to end our confrontation with God on a little note of faith. Hmm? <laughs> but, but I know even now, even now, you can still solve this, God. You can still be involved in this. It doesn't look like you're doing it the way I think you should have, and I'm not even happy about it because you didn't tell me what your plan was. I didn't know your plan. I had other ideas as to how you were going to do it and how you would get glory from it, and it would even be for my good. But you didn't do it that way. And now I'm a little bit upset, and I'm coming to tell you about how upset I am. And Jesus goes, come on, it's okay. It's all right. But before I'm done telling you, I am going to remind you who you are, and I know who you are, that God will do whatever you want him to do. I, I, I know that about who you are. This, this thing that we wrestle with, friends, in our Christian faith, it determines whether faith will propel us or whether fear will paralyze us. And when we have faith in God, then it can help us step into the next place, even though we're not sure where that is, which is what faith is about. And so Jesus responds to her very nicely by saying, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Now I stop and think, now wait a minute, why didn't you just tell her what you're about to do? Because what Jesus said is your brother will rise again. He, he, he didn't tell her. He didn't say, don't worry, Martha, don't worry about it. I, I'm going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. He doesn't say that. He, he tells her, your brother will rise again. And what he's speaking about isn't his dying physically right at the moment, but he's talking about an eternal perspective here. He's going to rise again in that last day. Jesus wants us to see life from his perspective. And his perspective is eternal. It's not temporal. We have such difficulty doing that at least I do, that so often I've got to stop and go, oh, this is how I thought that would work out. But God, would you show me how you see it differently from an eternal perspective? Because it doesn't make sense to me from my temporal perspective. I'm operating inside of time here. And God doesn't have that. He's not bothered by that little piece of information. He wants us to see it from his perspective. Martha said to him in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She's given him the right theological answer. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? Sometimes I, I do what Martha just did. I respond to God with the correct theological answer, especially when I have no clue what he's doing. But here's the right theological answer, so I'll give you that and try to mollify, try to, uh, try, to help, try to come to some sense of peace myself or solace in that instead of just trusting him to change me. But he's making it clear here that trusting him does change me, changes us. 
And so we need to put our trust in him. She responds by saying, yes, Lord. Verse number 27, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Wow, she just made profession of faith that was unbelievable, that was terrific. And Jesus heard that and saw that. He is getting, having her in a place where she can understand that the most important thing is your personal belief in who I am. And now he's showing us that when you come to me, even if you're angry, I'm okay with that. You can ask me your questions and I'm going to respond to you. And here's what will happen. If you have healthy interactions with God, then it will always end in a better understanding of him. And a healthy interaction is just being who you are and and speaking to him and giving him the opportunity to speak back into your life. Healthy interaction is coming and saying, I don't understand this, but I'm trusting you. And he says, watch how I'm going to use that to change you and to give you a better perspective of who I am in your life. I think we all tend to struggle with the things that Martha did. See, we don't doubt God's ability to do something. We know he's terrific. We know he's super powerful. We know he's, he's omniscient. We know he can do whatever he wants to do. We just doubt whether or not he's going to do it for us. You, you're going to do it for me, God? You, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do this miraculous thing for me, God? I, I know you can do it, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I see it happening all the time in my life. And God wants us to say, instead to come say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of this, but I'm trusting you. Change me. I'm trusting you to change me. However you need to change me so I can see you in a better way, more clearly for who you are. So Martha's done talking to him about that. And then in verse 28, she's like done. She turns and heads out of there. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, so she's just Speaking in Mary's ear, the teacher is here and he's calling you. So Jesus must have told her at the edge of the village, hey, would you go get Mary? And so she goes in to get Mary and and says, Mary, the teacher's on the edge of town and he's calling for you. God calls us in our grief and pain, but we must respond to him. When we are in grief, when we are in pain, God calls us and says, come to me with that. Come to me with it. I want to minister to you. I want to speak to you in it. I want to console you in it. I want to put my arms around you in it. I want you to trust me in it. Trust me to change you in it. Come to me with your grief and with your pain. But you've got to come to him. We've got to respond to him when he calls us. I think oftentimes we get so uptight about it, we get so caught up and bound up in our grief or whatever, we don't go to him. And yet he's saying, I am love. I'm the personification of love. I'm here for you. I want you to come to me. Well, Mary does. Verse number 29, as soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. Now that's fascinating to me because Jesus had been to their home plenty of times before. And when he told Martha to go get Mary, it would have been really easy for him to just follow right after her and head back to the house again. But he didn't. He stayed on the edge of the village waiting for Mary to come to him, to respond to his call. And he waited for that because here's the thing, Jesus never forces himself on us. He waits to be 
invited into our lives. Sometimes we even get mad at God for not putting himself into the situation and we have not taken the time to go to him and invite him into it ourselves and he is waiting to be invited. Would you invite me into that, your situation? Would you invite me into this? He's saying, would you trust me with your pain? Because trusting me will change you when you trust me that way. Verse number 31, the Jews who were in her house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out and they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. Man, even in our hurt and pain, friends, we're impacting other people. Question is, are we leading them to Jesus or are we leading them away? As soon as Mary came, verse number 32, as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here, you know what Jesus knows is that all of our grief and all of our pain come from a very personal place. And he wants to intersect in that personal place with you because he created you and you deal with it differently than anybody else does and every one of us have our own ways of doing those things and he's the only one who knows all about your ways. I mean all about your ways because he created you and he wants you to invite him into your personal place of pain. If you had been here, she says. Isn't it interesting how we always want to assign blame for our pain? Uh, we always want to say somebody else is responsible for my pain. And, and, uh, and so we want to assign that blame and blame someone else. And Jesus is asking us to come to him with it and let him deal with it. By the way, did you notice that Mary's words were the exact same as Martha's words? Which tells me the two of them have been talking about it, right? They'd both, they've been talking about the fact that I can't believe he didn't show up. I cannot believe it. The messenger even came back and said he was not going to die. It was going to be for God's glory, and he's not here. I can't believe it. If he had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. So Martha says it, and Mary says it. And I'm thinking, Lord, what, 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 are, you, what are you showing us here? And then it dawns on me, oh, sometimes, sometimes in the body of believers even, we have people who have been collaborating about things and they arrive at a conclusion and they start sharing it with each other and pretty soon that's where they're coming from. Be careful. Be careful or you will find yourself speaking things that are not from you, that are from other people in their collaboration when what you should be doing instead is coming to God and saying, you better show me, Lord, where you're at in this place. You see how that is? Good, two people saw how that was. I love that. Ah. Minister to those people. By the way, if you're one of the people who do that kind of a thing, you know, when something's going on, let me tell you how it really happened. Let me tell you what all is going on there. Would you do me a favor? Knock it off. Don't do that. That's not the way we should be acting as believers. We should be loving each other. We should be saying, Lord, how do you want me to interact? Lord, show me where you're at in this so I can love other people the way you want me to. Verse number 33, when Jesus saw her crying... And the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Jesus cares deeply about your pain. 
This is why this is in here, friends. He wants you to know, I care deeply about your pain. Even though he knew what the solution was going to happen, what the solution that was going to come, he knew how he was going to intersect here. He knew how it was going to be for God's glory and their good, but yet he still was moved deeply in his spirit. Why? Because when you're hurt, he's hurt. Because he loves you that much. When you're hurt, he's hurt because you're his. If you have a child and you watch that child and that child gets hurt, oh, as a parent, you're hurt because your child is hurt. And Jesus looks at us and says, I'm, I'm hurt. I, I care deeply about your pain. And so Jesus says, where have you put him? He asked. Verse number 34. Lord, they told him, come and see. Come and see. Jesus wants us to take him to our place of pain. Lord, come and see. Let me, let, me, let me open myself up to you and show you where the pain is at, Lord. Come and see my pain. Because he wants us to know sometimes when we feel abandoned by him, one of the reasons may be we've got so many walls built up, we don't open ourselves up and say, come, come and I'll show you where the pain is at, Lord. He wants to, us to take him to his place of pain. Verse number 35, Jesus wept. If you don't know it already, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Isn't it interesting how well-meaning people often see God as too small, and they feel the need to inform it on other people? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, oh. couldn't he have kept that guy from dying? Don't let that unbelief or that belief of theirs become yours. I, I'm not sure that Jesus wasn't actually weeping because of all the unbelief around him. Going, are you kidding me? You've seen me open the blind man's eyes from birth. You've seen all these different things happen. And yet you're, you're, you're doubting who I am? Verse 38, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Wait a minute. You're the son of God. You're about to raise a guy from the dead. Spoiler alert, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you can't take care of the stone? You got an issue with the stone? Really? Would seem to me that you'd be able to go, hey, stone. And the stone would go right out of the way. After all, he was going to do it on his own stone here shortly. But he didn't do that. Instead, he tells the people around there, remove the stone. And then I realized why. Jesus wants us to participate in the miraculous. He wants you to participate in the miraculous. 
He's going to allow them to partner with him in this amazing thing that he is going to do. And he's, he wants them to participate, to get the feeling of that, to get the, can you imagine being one of those people who got up there going, let's move this thing. And then what's going to happen, the spoiler alert already is going to happen. You're the going on of the neighbors. You know what? I was there. And you know what else? I moved that stone. I, I ro helped roll that stone out of the way, and I was looking into that thing, and, and, and it was dark as all get out. I was there. He wants you to participate. He's got stuff going on around your life right now that may not impact you, but is impacting somebody else, but he wants you to get engaged with it because he wants you to participate in the miraculous that only he can do. Now we got a little... Fly in the ointment here. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Jesus, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead for four days. You know, I don't know that they should move that stone, Jesus, because if they open that dude up, it is going to smell. It's going to stink. Did you know that Jesus wants to, you to open up so he can heal your places of pain, even the ones that stink. Even the ones that are embarrassing to say, Martha was going to be embarrassed. Martha's the one who liked to keep the house right. Martha's the one who liked to serve correctly. Martha's going, Jesus, you open that up. It's going to expose my brother and where he's really at in the decaying process. And it's going to smell bad. And I'm not sure we want to open ourselves up to that, God. And God's saying, open yourself up and let so I can see where the pain is at, where I can see where the death is at, so I can come and bring healing into your life in a miraculous way, but a prerequisite of that healing is to open up so he can approach it. He can expose the problem. He can have access to it. We must be willing to be vulnerable if he's going to heal our pain. See, we cannot do it on our way. We have to let him do it his way. Verse four, number 40, Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Didn't I tell you that if you believe, if you trust God, if you are trusting God, Martha, it's going to change you. It's going to change you for the good. It's going to change you. Trust, Martha, that God cares even when it feels like he's not there. Trust God to do those things. God's glory is seen when we trust and obey. It's a reason they wrote the good old song, huh? Verse number 41, so they removed the stone. I get the feeling that when he said remove the stone, they went over there and started grabbing that thing to start pushing it back, and, and, and Martha kind of stopping, wait a minute, hold, hold on, and now they're finally, now they're removing that stone. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. God wants us to believe and trust in him. He's willing to do extraordinary things for that. Once the issue is exposed, the stone is rolled back, we open ourselves up, he can address it, and he addresses it with a temporary miracle that has any, but changes an eternal 
belief. After he said this, verse 44, he shouted with a loud voice. Are you ready? Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. I, I, I just, you got to picture this. Get the stone is rolled back. They're looking into the cave and it's dark. And Jesus yells it out, says, Lazarus, come out. And, and here he comes. Right? And there's, there's, it says it's wrapped around. I don't know if it's how many times. You can kind of see things a little bit through gauze if anybody's ever had one. But if you've had three or four wrapped around her, I'm wondering, was he bouncing off of walls? How did he know where the opening was? But here he comes. He's walking out like that. And if you're the guy who was pushing her, pushing him, whoa, what is coming, man? He's coming. He's coming. And you're looking at that. And here he comes. I don't know about you, but I'd have been getting some distance. I'd have been getting distance, Don. I would not have wanted that thing, whatever it was, to get too close to me because this is weird, really weird. And then Jesus says this, unwrap him and let him go. Who was supposed to unwrap him? The people. Why would unwrap him and let him go? I want you to participate in the miraculous. You're part of my family. We care for each other. I want you to go and unwrap him. I want you to go and unwrap those things that have kept you bound. I want you to go and unwrap the stuff where the decay has been. I want you to unwrap the stuff that has kept you from going for me so I can heal it and bring life to you. I want you all involved in the process. I want you to get your hands dirty. I want you to live for me wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. I want to bring new life to you. And if you've got stuff going on, decay going on, sin going on, stuff, pain going on, that you're saying, God, I need this healed, he may be bringing somebody else into your life after he's doing, while he's doing the healing, to get involved in helping unwrap you. Let him. Let him. Oh, he might be calling you to do this uh, somewhat uncomfortable thing sometimes. Stepping into somebody else's life, into their pain, into their hurt, into their anguish, into their what looked like death. I want you to get involved in helping, helping unwrap. What for, Jesus? What for? So you can be participate in my miracle and so they can go for me. Unwrap him. Let him go. And because you trusted me, every one of you will be changed. Because trusting God changes us, all of us. What, what things have been going on in your life that need that kind of attention? Did you know that the name Lazarus means one God helps. Isn't that great? Lazarus means one God helps. Where do you need Lazarus in your life? Lord, I need a miracle here. I need you to raise something from the dead here. I need you to make this kind of a difference here. 
I'd like you to bow your heads a moment, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to show us right now if there are things in us that we need to bring to you, that we need to open up to you, that we need to trust you with so that you can change us. And right now, as, as I'm trusting that he is speaking to you, if you are just asking him to show you if there's anything like that, you know what that is right now. Lord, I'm asking for clarity in those things too. So would you just bring some clarity to them right now, Jesus? And now, Lord Jesus, I'm asking each person here who has that thought, who knows, who has said something come into their mind that you would minister to them, even those who are online right now, Lord, I pray that you would minister to them in those areas just like you did Lazarus for Mary, for Martha, for all the rest who were watching who could be part of it. We're praying for that kind of interaction with us here at Arbor, Lord, so that we can go knowing that trusting you changes us for your glory and our good. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to receive his blessing? We're going to continue to worship with a couple of songs, and then we have this little announcement. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so that you can be part of the miraculous that he wants to do in you, through you, and for you. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.